Welcome to VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards, a daily podcast bringing you an inside look at the Vegas Golden Knights 2023 Stanley Cup playoff run. I'm Justin Russo with the Golden Knights on Tuesday, May 2nd, and we are just one day away from the start of round two from the fortress between the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers, which we now know will begin at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow, game one from the fortress. The TV broadcast will be handled by ESPN, and we'll of course have Dan Duva and Gary Lawless on Fox Sports Las Vegas taking you through the action on the radio side. Well, the excitement is building for tomorrow, and to give us some more insight on round two, Ashley Weiss joins the show today and catches up with Shay Knighty, who walks us through the matchup with the Oilers. Well, thanks very much, Justin. And starting the day with some good news, in case you did not catch Bruce Cassidy speaking with the media yesterday, Braden McNabb skated on his own and is hopefully joining the team at today's practice after missing game five of the first round. That skate taking place at 11 o'clock today at City National Arena. We will hear from Bruce Cassidy and Lauren Brossois in just a little bit, but as the wait continues for round two between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers, it's been a chance for many people People to unwind, players and staff alike, hitting the golf course, hitting the pool, but uh, it's hashtag no days off for our very own Shane Knighty. He's been running around like a madman. For example, uh, he worked four games in four nights in four different cities, not only covering the Golden Knights first round series, but also being the man between the benches on several TNT and TBS broadcasts as well. So let's catch up with him. And Shane, Golden Knights fans have been tuning in to all these other playoff games with all this long layoff between rounds for the Golden Knights. And they've had the treat of seeing a lot of the sheriffs. So first, how are you holding up? I'm good. I'm home now and uh, ready for round two as uh, the VGK gets set for game one. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the best time of year. I think, you know, it's exhausting, but, uh, you know, fortunate to be able to call some tremendous games, playoff time, everything just Every moment means so much, and uh, the first round was certainly a lot of fun and uh, shocking outcomes in a lot of areas, but uh, it's been good. I think you feed energy off that. The games give you energy that uh, I don't worry about the rest of it. That kind of brings me to to my next point. You were just saying uh, nine games in 13 days with six flights. That was your, those were your total numbers for round one? They were, yeah. So it started, you know, call, I call, I've missed one of the Golden Knights games, but uh, called uh, four of the five and then, uh, or three, it's something like that. I hope I'm correct on my math. Again, I just got in from uh, calling last, uh, the Seattle win over Colorado in game seven. So I had, uh, that was four games. The Golden Knights closed Thursday. Then I was in Seattle Friday. Then I was in LA Saturday, Denver Sunday. And uh, now talking to you. So um, it's good. It's great. It's, it's a great schedule. So uh, you know what? That's, that's what we want to be able to do is cover hockey. And that's what I love doing. I feel like I should be bringing you some of the energy drinks that you give me such a hard time about drinking. I, I need one of your special drinks. Yeah. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what those are. Ghost energy, obviously. Yeah. I, the, I'm the just all coffee. sponsored energy drink. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm on old coffee. school. Is there, a, is there a certain game that stands out to you on any of the series? What was the best game you covered? I think anytime there's an overtime game, right? Because it just, it's that one moment, a chance for someone to score an overtime winner. Uh, that covering game sevens are, are always special as well because it all comes down to that one game. Um, so yeah, certainly I would say those are, are the most exciting when you get to overtime and 
you know, being at ice level, you see, you see the emotion uh, from the benches uh, when they went in overtime and to see a series clinch too, as well, to see how excited the, you know, the bench, I love watching the coaches because, you know, most coaches are, are, are pretty toned down, but uh, uh, they get, get very excited as we've seen. If anybody watches replays, highlights, uh, when they show the bench reaction, I think that sometimes is my favorite shot and favorite thing to look at is when a team wins, uh, whether it be overtime or whether it be, uh, well, every game means something, but I think those are just bigger moments. Overtime and uh, series clinching wins are, are, are something special. Yeah, probably dangerous down there to make sure you aren't getting whacked with a stick as they all they all stand uh, up. I, I'm safe between. I got glass on both sides, so I just back out and let them have their moment. So we talk about you being between the benches. A lot of our team broadcasts, it's uh, just you and Dave up top. Uh, and then I'm downstairs and, you know, Tavis will, our producer will open my mic when it's time for me to talk. But uh, something came up when I was watching one of your broadcasts. I had someone ask me, uh, how does Shane know when to talk? And that that made me realize that that's probably something um, that most people, you know, don't really know about that between the benches position when you have a play-by-play and an analyst upstairs and then you downstairs up. How do you uh, build that chemistry? How are you not stepping all over each other? And how do you know when you have time to chime in there? I think you're right. It, it, it's chemistry, just like anything else. We think, uh, you know, you see chemistry in the ice between players, whether it's deep hair or, you know, forward line. And, um, and, and it is different because when I do it and it's just Dave and I, if you have just the play-by-play and the analyst and I'm down there, I'll read off Dave's pauses, his breaths, when he, you know, between – his calling the play when it's time for me to step in. And it is different when you have two analysts, you have someone in the booth with the play-by-play guy and I'm down between the benches. It's, it's a different scenario. Um, usually you find who the lead analyst. So I was working mainly with Eddie Olchuk, who's been doing it forever and someone I, you know, I've watched and, and tried to learn from. He's the lead analyst. So a lot of times I'll follow him or he'll lead me in. And then sometimes we have, as you know, in the truck, I have talking to the producer and the director and our producer will sometimes tell me to lead off or vice versa. So the producer helps between that or else being led in by the other analysts is kind of when, you know, um, and sometimes it's just reading off the play by play guy after you read off pauses. It, it, it's, I don't know if that's enough to explain it. It's kind of something you learn the longer you do it, the more reps and it's something I've picked up every now and then you'll jump the play by play guy, which you don't want to do. Um, you want to let him finish the call. We're never going to do it when there's something, you know, if it's in the offensive zone and, and there, there's chances going on and crazy play, I'm going to shut my mouth and stay out of it. But when the puck either gets into transition and it's heading the other way, or it's in the neutral zone, those are the times that maybe you jump in with something quick that you saw, but other than that, when it goes to long or replays, uh, that's determined by the producer. Usually lead analyst goes first. I would be the second at ice level and then go in from there. If that explains it, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it I'm talking it through. Okay. No, it does for sure. It's just when I had that question asked to me, it, it dawned on me that that's something that, you know, we take for granted um, yeah. working in TV broadcasts and knowing how things kind of work behind the scenes. So I found it interesting. Uh, I, I'm sure Golden Knights fans are hoping that they will see more of you as, as the rounds go on. Um, but if you do end up on any of these VGK games through the second round, I know you did one uh, the first round as well. What is it like covering the Golden Knights, but on a national level? 
Well, it, it is different, right? So when we, when we do it and we're, you know, it's regional for us as the, the home broadcast team, certainly it's, it's our replays and everything's a lot more VGK driven. Um, you know, I'm not going to pull a lot of the, the positives. If somebody makes a great play on the other side, I'm going to look more for clips and, and things I noticed that the Golden Knights are it's driven by their play or a mistake or, or something like that. But outside of goals by the team, I'm not going to show a lot of their little details to their game. Whereas in national, you're, you're down the middle. I feel I'm going to be fair and honest on both. But when it comes to a national level, I'm watching both teams and pulling more clips kind of evenly. And you're always leaning towards a little bit more of the team ahead or the team that's playing better, that has momentum. And you, you, you kind of go with the shifts of the game, but it's, it's down the middle and, uh, you know, you're looking for both sides. And, I, you know, it, it, I don't know if it's easier in a sense because, you know, when you're looking mainly at one team, you know, say 70% compared to 30 you know, it might be harder, especially if they're having a bad game. Whereas when you're looking at both teams, you're always going to have stuff and it's impossible to get it all in, but it keeps you in the game more um, in, in that sense. Again, I hope that uh, gives a little bit of clarity uh, of yeah. to the differences. Yeah. But I would say the major, the major differences is just, you, you're more, you're split. You're, you're looking at both sides and, and pulling clips from, you know, the Golden Knights, I'll be looking at their opposition. If somebody there does, you know, makes a little detailed play that led to something developed into a chance, I'm going to go back to that. Whereas if it was just us and our broadcast, I'm mainly going to look at that just from the, the Golden Knights perspective. Yeah, you said it best when you said that you're always fair and down the middle. You and yeah. Dave are certainly two of the best yeah. in the business when it comes to that. But I think you summed it up by saying more of the details of the other team is what you might talk about more than you would on one of our broadcasts. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you watch um, or did you work two of the Edmonton LA games? Is that correct? Three. One? Three. Three. Okay. Game so a very, three, four, watched, and six. Okay. So you watch the Golden Knights uh, on a daily basis. Uh, after covering that series up close and personal for three games between Edmonton and LA, uh, how do you now view this round two matchup between the Golden Knights and Oilers? I, I like from what, you know, having watched both teams and, and it was very beneficial for me to watch the, the Oilers because, you know, kind of in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, uh, I've seen the Golden Knights and when the Golden Knights play their game and, you know, the they've gotten really good at covering their own end. A lot of teams where LA, I think where they lost out is they go to man-on-man coverage and zone in Edmonton with their high octane offense and two of the world's best offensive players, it, it's tough to have coverage uh, against that team when they're moving around the offensive zone. So while I was watching them and seeing LA struggle at times, I'm like, Gold Knights, uh, their defensive structure is built for this when they're on top of their game, and they're going to need to be. Um, that said, I like I like the Golden Knights because of the way they defend in this series. I like their depth. I think they got way more depth the Edmonton Oilers, their defensive group, which we've talked about, which I think is going to be very important uh, to match up and feel comfortable playing against some of those players, the McDavid's and the dry settles who are world-class and what they've done is just incredible. Um, And Nugent Hopkins, remember they had three guys with a hundred points this past regular season. Um, I, I, the, the one thing we've heard Bruce Cassidy talk about all year long and hammer home, uh, the puck management, that, for the Golden Knights, they are going to have to manage the puck. If they if they get away from that, the Oilers are a type of team that can hurt them. So I think 
I think the Golden Knights match up really well if they play their game. Now, that's the way I look at it. I just think they're a deeper team. I think they're a more structured team. And I think if they can play a smart, smart game, manage the puck well, play with their speed, utilize four lines, especially in a seven-game series, they, they can wear down the Oilers who are going to, you know, they're top heavy with their top guys the minutes they play. They went uh, 11 and 7 for the majority of that series against LA. And there was a couple of games where they they were down to three lines, sometimes two and a half, because they double shift McDavid and Dreisaitl so much. Um, and, you know, it's great in the regular season where you play a game like play two games, get three days off. But when you're playing every second day in a physical playoff style battle, that can take its toll over time. So, uh, you know, all that said, though, you got to they still got to go out and execute and play the game. But it, uh, I, I like the way the Golden Knights look and I like the way their game built through that Winnipeg Jets series. Did that the way their game built through on one give you confidence that they can wear a team down as the series goes on? I feel like there have been there have been questions on if this team can be as physical and where, you know, where other teams down the way previous Golden Knights teams have. Yeah, I think so. If they get to their four check, uh, they've got to they've got to put pucks behind the Oilers and force Edmonton to defend. Because I think that's you know one area where you can really try to take advantage, and that's how you wear teams down. It's not always the physicality; it's it's a lot more exhausting to defend than it is to to play on the offensive side of the puck. So the the more they can have offensive zone pressure, sustain some pressure in the ozone and, and and try and wear them down. Of course, you want to finish your hits when you can, but you don't want to run out of position. Um, I think we, you know, we saw Brett Howden who, you know, was playing on the fourth line, which that line is going to continue that identity. You got Howden now playing with Stone and Stevenson, but he's, he's become one of their best four checkers in that first se- series, his yeah. ability to get in his speed, be physical, um, you know, Barbashev. So I think you know, they've got pieces on every line now that can get in and be those guys that, that wear down. And, and that's, that's where physicality can take its toll, be a heavy four check team, force the other team to defend that takes its toll in a series. Well, we talk about uh, being tough. This is the last thing I have for you. Uh, round one ended with Darren Millard, giving you a hug right at center ice. Are you missing Mallard yet? Am I missing him? <laughs> Does anybody really miss him? I don't know. Um, you know what? He's always happy. So, yeah, you know, I guess I miss that. I'll see the smiling face tomorrow when I'm in as we get ready for, for game one coming up. But uh, I don't know if I ever truly miss it. And at the same time, he's always texting. So, you know, I can't. That I is true. Can't get away. There, it's you never a long break. You can't escape the group text. I, I enjoy, you can run, I enjoy, but you can't escape the group text. I, I, I enjoy the brief breaks. But, yes, it'll. It's it's good to see you all, and I'll see you all tomorrow. Well, Shane, we're excited to see you, and hopefully uh, fans will be seeing you on a TV screen again here soon. Uh, Thanks for doing this after a long stretch, and take a nice nap. I will. Thanks, Ashley. (laughs) Thanks, Shane. Well, Justin, we can always count on Shane for that expert analysis, and a lot of analysts going to be talking about the growth and the journey of Lauren Brossois, and he already had to make it through one of his former teams in the Winnipeg Jets, and I feel like the hockey gods might be up there laughing somewhere because now he will square off against the team with which he played the first 28 regular season games of his NHL career in the Edmonton Oilers, and here was his response when asked how a goalie prepares for Connor McDavid. Um, I don't think you have to spend much extra time. Um, you know, it's pretty obvious when he has the puck, you know, whether you're trying to cognizantly 
um, you know, look for them or not, uh, the puck just moves a lot quicker. So, um, yeah, you got to be aware of it. But uh, to be honest, I think, um, you know, if you try to change your game for, you know, to, to play another team or to another player, uh, that's when you start thinking a lot and, uh, and opening things up. Uh, so I'm just going to play my game and, and force them to, to come to me. Well, on that note from Lauren Brossois speaking on how he's going to handle Connor McDavid in this series, I want to take an opportunity to look back before we look forward and get this series started here tomorrow because it was Connor McDavid himself that really got this season series started between these two teams. If we go all the way back to November 19th, first meeting of the season between the two looking a bit different than they look now, of course, pre-trade deadline really early in the season. But the first game in Edmonton back in November was a 4-3 Oilers victory courtesy of Connor McDavid, who scored the overtime winner. Out of the zone, Nurse will skate it back to his own line. Oilers tag up, Dreisaitl works around Petrangelo, closes in, scores! Connor McDavid wins it in overtime. He goes upstairs by the glove of Aiden Hill. Looked like he'd go downstairs, then flipped it by inside the right post. McDavid with his second point of the day. His 16th goal of the season, and the Oilers captain delivers Edmonton a 4-3 overtime victory against the Golden Knights. Well, that's how things got started in 2022-23 between the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Game one up there in Edmonton back in November. And as you heard, Connor McDavid with the overtime winner to give the Oilers the first leg up on the Golden Knights this season. And you look back at that game, it was a really strong game for the Golden Knights as well. Mark Stone had a couple of goals, including a penalty shot in that one. But the big stars for the Oilers just came through and they did just enough to grab the victory. You look at Connor McDavid, of course, who got the overtime winner. Zach Hyman with a power play goal. Leon Dreisaitl with a goal. And, of course, Ryan Nugent Hopkins with a three-point night, three assists for him in the game as well. So the Oilers landing the first blow in the season series back in November. But then it would take nearly two months for these teams to meet again. Second meeting of the season came on January 14th. And this time it was at the Fortress in Vegas. But same score and same result in favor of the Oilers, who picked up a 4-3 to victory. Eventually up top, Petrangelo to the right, one-time shot, blocked again, it goes behind, 13 seconds left, off the glass, Petrangelo holds the line, 10 seconds, Eichel keeps it in as well, Carlson fighting for the puck, 5 seconds, Oilers pull it loose, Nurse banks it down the ice, and this will be all zero. The clock runs out, Oilers 4, Knights 3. So again, the Golden Knights fall 4-3 to to the Edmonton Oilers, just as they did in their first meeting back in November. But this time, the real culprit for the VGK was their start. Edmonton got two goals on the board less than two minutes into the game, and Vegas was just really never able to climb out of that hole. Matthias Yenmark scored just 45 seconds into the game. Then Leon Dreisaitl chipped in another goal less than a minute later. Vegas would be able to fight back a little bit. Keegan Colasar got a goal to make it a 2-1 to game. But then Leon Dreisaitl scored again in the second, and though Vegas had response goals to Edmonton's later tallies, it was still a 4-3 victory for the Edmonton Oilers, and they had a 2-0 season series lead up to that point with their win in November in Edmonton, and then of course the win in Vegas against the Golden Knights there. So that left two more matchups to go between these two teams. We know they would have another one each in Vegas and in Edmonton, but they wouldn't come until March, late in March, toward the end of the season. And a lot of you will probably remember a little bit better how these games went. We'll start with game three of the season series that took place on March 25th. Again, same 4-3 to three score, but this time it's in favor of the Golden Knights, who got an overtime winner from Nicholas Waugh. 
Heichel shuffles right, straight on, pulls and shoots, tip wide right. Heichel takes it off the right boards, pressured on the near side, sends it in front, Wah, all by himself, stop, rebound, he scores! Nicholas Wah in overtime! Knights four, Oilers three! Dazzling puck handling in front for Nicholas Wah. Two goals in his two games since returning to the lineup. Vegas wins it, 4-3 in Edmonton. What a performance, a thrilling hockey game. And they get to do this again Tuesday in Vegas. So finally, a breakthrough for the Golden Knights against the Edmonton Oilers. They pick up their first win of the season against Edmonton in a 4-3 overtime game that Nicholas Waugh ended at the 2:26 mark of the extra period. A beautiful move by Nicholas Waugh, if you don't recall, got the puck right in front and stick-handled his way around Stuart Skinner and gave the Vegas Golden Knights that first victory against Edmonton all season long. And for the Golden Knights, this was one in which they gave Edmonton some opportunities early, but they hunkered down in the third period, were able to get into overtime tied, and were able to give themselves an opportunity to win it in the extra frame. Just a thought on that win. Yeah, gutsy win for us. Um, you know, obviously a divisional game. Thought we played, thought we played well. Um, you know, it's a really good team over there. They generate a lot of offense. I thought we did a good job for the most part limiting them. Um, LB played great. Uh, we were able to capitalize on one of our power plays and, um, you know, got some timely goals and two points. They seem to have a lot of jump in that third period. Did you feel like you had a lot of energy in there? Yeah, I did. I thought we I thought we played really well in the third. We had some good chances. I thought we controlled the play for, for periods of it and played in their end, um, used our cycle, and, uh, you know, just for the most part kept them out of our zone. So, um, you know, it was a good recipe for us. So a good confidence booster for the Vegas Golden Knights picking up that first win against the Oilers. And then it was on to that game just a few days later, as you heard Dan mention at the end of his call. Three days later, these two teams would meet again for their final matchup of the season back at the Fortress in Vegas. But this time, you really saw the Edmonton Oilers offense on display and you saw what they're able to do when they're clicking. A 7-4 to victory for the Edmonton Oilers against the Vegas Golden Knights in a game in which Vegas simply didn't have it. Zach Hyman forces it into the zone. White Cloud is back, turns along the wall. Nugent Hopkins in pursuit. Juan lost the puck. Nugent Hopkins shoots and scores. Vegas could not settle the puck in its own zone. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins capitalizes. 35th goal of the season. He's got a nine-game scoring streak. Edmonton takes a 2-1 lead. 11.40 to go, first period. Quick reached out with his blocker. I'm not sure if he got a piece or not. Still in the zone, left wing for the Oilers. Nugent Hopkins, down for McDavid, out in front, score! Backdoor tap-in for Zach Hyman. Third power play goal of the game for Edmonton. 6-3, Oilers, 4.26 to go. Second period, Zach Hyman with his 33rd goal. Well, obviously not what the Golden Knights were looking for on that night, back on March 28th in their 7-4 loss against Edmonton. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a career night for him, a five-point night for him, and the Edmonton Oilers pick up three power play goals en route to their 7-4 to victory. But I want to throw to what Bruce Cassidy said after that game because I think it's a great indicator of how you can expect the Golden Knights to play in the upcoming Round 2 series against the Oilers. We made some plays on, the, on their power play again. We talked about different ways and obviously didn't execute well enough. But in general, we didn't defend at it like our typical level, at a NHL level required to stop the Edmonton Oilers, right? So that was part of it. 
and we tried to, I, I think Ben is simply, we tried to win playing their type of game. We are trying to make plays that weren't there. I don't know if we thought we could outscore them. That's not how you're going to beat them. They're the best offensive team in the league. We're not the Edmonton Oilers on offense. We're good offensively, but we're not them. We can't get into that type of game and expect to beat them. I, I don't think that might happen sometimes, but that's not the typical formula. We've got to check better and responsible with the puck, and we weren't able to do those things. Well, as you heard Bruce say there, they tried to win playing the Edmonton Oilers type of game, and that is just simply not going to get it done, and he was spot on. I mean, if you're the Golden Knights, you can try to get into that track meet type of game, but nobody's going to beat the Edmonton Oilers when it comes to getting in those high-speed back-and-forth types of games. They just have too much offense to offer. They have too many high-end guys. They have too much speed. You're not going to beat them like that. So a great thing there from Bruce Cassidy, recognizing at that time and, and telling those guys, saying, hey, this is not how we're going to beat this Edmonton team. And I'd expect they draw upon those conclusions that they had from that game back on March 28th as they prepare for their Round 2 series. And for the Golden Knights, you saw it in Round 1 as well. Once they got to their game and they started forcing Winnipeg to play their game, they took over, and especially at 5-on-5, five five, they controlled large portions of play against the Winnipeg Jets. So for the Vegas Golden Knights, it's going to be about getting Edmonton to play their game, clogging up that neutral zone, and really not taking penalties. Have to stay out of the box against the Edmonton Oilers. We know how good they are on the power play. And you look at the season series for the Edmonton Oilers and how they were able to perform against the Vegas Golden Knights overall. Three wins in four games played against the Vegas Golden Knights. They outscore Vegas 18-14 to 14 in those four games. They averaged over four and a half goals per game. But the number that stands out, 55% on the power play for the Edmonton Oilers in the four games they played against the Vegas Golden Knights, and 90% on the penalty kill for Edmonton as well. So they were getting it done both ends on special teams, shutting down the Vegas power play and generating a lot of power play goals themselves. So for the Vegas Golden Knights, that special teams battle is going to be crucial, not only in not allowing the Edmonton Oilers to have power play opportunities, but when you do give them an opportunity, we know they don't need many to score. You have to find a way to shut them down. And for the Vegas power play, of course, it's been evolving throughout the latter part of the season as well they found some success against the Winnipeg Jets going to need the power play to get going in this series as well because even if you want the Edmonton Oilers to play your game at some point they're going to get some goals and you're going to need those power play goals to eventually keep up with them at times during this series so interesting thoughts and numbers there from Bruce Cassidy and the overall season series between these two teams again the Oilers took three out of the four against the Vegas Golden Knights this season but Golden Knights know the task that is ahead of them they've seen this team a lot and they were in a lot of those games. Lost two games by one goal. Last one got a little out of hand, that 7-4 to loss, but Golden Knights know what's ahead of them, and they know how to attack the Edmonton Oilers. Well, Justin, great job crunching all those numbers and statistics. Can't wait to see what happens when the puck drops on Wednesday. But in the meantime, it is always a hockey clinic when Bruce Cassidy steps up to the mic. So before I go, I want to leave you with what he had to say when he met with the media yesterday for the first time since learning that his team would square off with the Edmonton Oilers in round two. Well, I mean, they're a very dynamic high-octane offensive team power play is setting all kinds of records. So that's stating the obvious, uh, driven by some high-end players. Maybe some guys behind them, I would say, don't get enough credit. So, I mean, if you're going to beat the others, you've got to find a way to slow them down at some point, uh, limit those chances, score yourself, because you're not going to 
never keep those guys right off the score sheet. So that's the, the challenge in front of us. So um, having said that, I think during our Winnipeg series, I felt we got better and better defensively as the series went on, uh, limiting chances. And if you take away the last eight minutes with a goalie out, I thought the last few games were really good at game four, game five, we're defending, we're reloading, all the necessary things that are going to come in handy against, not handy, are going to be required against Edmonton. So those are drilled into our game during the year, and we found them again in the series against Winnipeg. So uh, that's the good news is it's very fresh and current in our players' minds, and that's how we're going to have to play. Ken Volkeeson in Not Vegas. A lot of people say, like, just stay out of the box and you've got a good chance against the Oilers. Do you feel that it's that simple or is no. there more to it? I mean, they were one for one, two for three. I mean, if you take one penalty a period against a very good offensive team, you're, you're probably playing fairly disciplined. Um, to me, it's less about staying out of the box, and it's their ozone time. You've got to find ways to keep them out of your ozone as best as possible. How is that? That's face-offs. Well, that's a tough one with dry saddle right out of the gate. Um, entries. Well, now you've got the fastest guy on the planet, so, you know, like that's easier said than done. And clears. So that's where you got to make sure your clears go 200 feet when you get a chance to get it out. You can, that's controllable. And the entries to a certain extent. you got to try to de design something to make it harder for them to get in. So I think that's how you, the best chance you have against their power play. Yes, staying out of the box. And we are the least penalized team in the National Hockey League, so I anticipate we will stay out of the box against them. Um, against Winnipeg, we were very disciplined, didn't take a lot of penalties, so that should not change. So I don't anticipate us killing a lot of penalties. On the flip side, they don't always need a lot of opportunities. So that's where we got to be good. Well, some final thoughts from Bruce Casty ahead of Game 1 against the Edmonton Oilers. You know, he and the Golden Knights are certainly looking forward to the challenge that Round 2 brings. A big thanks to Ashley Weiss for stepping in on today's episode and letting us hear from Shane Knighty. Of course, Shane has been bouncing around, it seems like, everywhere. Seeing him on our TVs all the time, providing some great coverage on the national scale for the NHL playoffs, and good to hear from him and catch up with him and get his thoughts on the Round 2 series with the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Edmonton Oilers as well. So, with that, I do want to remind you that tickets to Round 2 of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs are on sale now. You can get a playoff strip to ensure you get the same seats to every home game or single game tickets just like normal. So for the Vegas Golden Knights, looking at potentially at most four home games in this series, but you know, of course we'll hope the Vegas Golden Knights can take care of business before they get to that point. But game one tomorrow at the Fortress at 6.30, game two on Friday at home as well. Look for tickets to those two games at home for the Vegas Golden Knights to start off round two of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs at home against the Edmonton Oilers. Also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a moment of the VGK's quest for the Stanley Cup in 2023. Thanks as always for listening and we'll be back tomorrow with our game day preview as the Vegas Golden Knights prepare for game one against the Edmonton Oilers right from the fortress at 6.30 tomorrow night. Justin Russo signing off for episode 16 of VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards. <laughs>